welcome to our trucking technology and efficiency space. It is kind of a free-for-all today. Like always, you can always jump in and ask anything you want. Um, go ahead and request to be a speaker if you want to jump in, if you've got something to say. Uh, I'm going to throw out uh, a couple things. We said we could um, touch on the, the issue of driver pay, alternatives to driver pay, trying to make the industry better, more efficient, whatever it might be. But I'm also going to throw out another topic here, a question, uh, because I keep seeing this post. Maybe I should wait till we get a few more people in here. Uh, but I keep seeing this every time the, the issue of driver pay, profitability for you know carriers, owner-operators, I have seen several times in the last month, and I don't remember exactly who made the comments, but I saw another one today, that they really wish we could go back to regulated trucking. And I, I just want to see if we're really talking about the same thing here. Um, if there's anybody on this call that believes that we should go back to regulated trucking, and I assume they're talking about prior to 1980. That, that we should go back to that system. If that's the case, I'd love to hear from you. I, I think this could be a fascinating topic. Uh, I have a feeling a lot of people don't understand what it really meant, and that may be why they think we should go back to that. Um, I, I will say this. I, I think there is absolutely less than a 0% chance that would ever happen. So I, I don't think we should spend a whole lot of time on it, but because I keep seeing it commented on, I just like to hear from somebody that believes that we should. I just like to hear your perspective on that. So, uh, if that's the case, jump in and um, and we'll talk about it. Uh, all right. So Joel's here with me. Uh, Matt, TJ. I think that's everybody that's requested so far. So anybody that wants to jump in and uh, what's on your mind? Well, could I start by picking on Joel? Sure. Okay. He's even here to defend uh, you know, himself, so. Well, yeah, it's going to make a lot more sense if he is. <clears throat> um, he had a post on Facebook yesterday and about this segment, trucking technology and efficiency, and I guess he's getting a lot of complaints that he talks about Volvos all the time. So That's his is job. Day, and I want to talk about Diamond Rebos. <laughs> I drove one. <laughs> I, I've never driven a Diamond Rio. <laughs> yeah, it was a, oh, I don't even know. It wasn't a regular truck, but I want to say it was a 67 or 68. So <laughs> they're, they're old, but I believe they're still made. I know just a few years ago, they still had a plant oh. in Pennsylvania or something. You know what? A few years ago, they came out and they were actually building gliders. I contacted Gliders, yep. them. We were actually going to try to partner with them to build the signature truck, and I, I don't even remember what happened. I think I had Bruce involved because uh, he was right there, and he knew some of the people. I don't know whatever happened with that whole thing, but you're right. They're they're actually back making trucks again. Nothing for over the yep. road, I don't think. They're building, like, yard trucks and some other weird stuff. Yeah, and what I drove was a garbage truck. It wasn't an over-the-road truck, but very interesting. I mean, it had been modified. It had, you know shag carpet on the dash it was it was an interesting truck i'll, I'll put it that way Mine. um nobody else has anything the, i i could comment on the um regulation or uh 
I just drew a blank on the term before 1980. Yeah, deregulated. Uh, regulated, or, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I guess those people like the fact that we could have a regulated rate at three dollars a mile, but they can only haul freight half the time. Uh, I'm hearing you. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the people, you know, we're kind of aging out from the period of regulated trucking, and a lot of a lot of people out here never lived through it. I, I myself. You know, I can remember it from when I was younger, but I never actually ran a business or operated under regulation. Um, but there were a lot of challenges associated with that. Um, and I personally don't believe that we should go back to the, you know, the full scale regulation of that type. What I believe is that we need to reform some of the pay structure in the industry and there has to be a better focus on safety. Um you know, we're, we're just too heavily focused on productivity and uh, safety has to be the priority. And, and again, just a little bit of restructuring to pay. And I think we, we solved some problems that the industry has struggled with since deregulation. Here would be my first question, uh, since nobody's jumping in on the authority thing, except people who probably agree with me. Here's would be the first question I would ask somebody who thinks we should go back to regulated rates. Who is going to choose what carriers lose their authority? Because that would have to happen. That, that's how the government regulated the rates, by controlling who had authority. So you can't regulate right. what, rates if you just leave authority the way it is. It, it would have to be restricted again. And who, who's, going to be the, the, who's going to be the entity that gets to pick winners and losers? Correct. Yeah, and what good. lanes you can run yeah. and what freight you can haul and... They regulate everything, not just pieces, parts of it, and you, you always have to keep that in mind. You know, it sure it may be a little bit better for the the drivers' pay, the company drivers' pay, but uh, it becomes very problematic for owner operators, small fleets. It's 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 just um, very very problematic. And and well, well, Kevin, Kevin, I'll make that easy on who decides who loses their authority. Me, you, and Joel. There you go. Got it. <laughs> Now we, hey, we can settle that right here, right now. Hey, if that's the case, I'm all for this. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> now, you know, it. it um, what about this concept? Isn't this one of the most un-American things you've heard of? Yes. Yes. I, what about that? It, it's just very, very anti-competitive and un-American. Yeah, we're. Yeah. we're Going away from a free market, Correct. moving to a, to a government-controlled market. Yeah, I can't believe anybody is for that. So when I see those comments, my first assumption is you really don't understand what it was. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do understand and they are still for it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think uh, yeah. maybe a good way of looking at this what's happened over in Ukraine Russians trying to move stuff into the area to get to their troops that would be more like a, a regulated operation and then you know yeah. how Eastern or Western Europe's able to move move huge amounts of freight at will get stuff in there that would be so more unregulated and that you know that kind of spells out the difference I guess it's just old clunky doesn't work well um, you talk about supply chain issues in the broader economy. Oh. Go back to a fully regulated industry, and it's going to be just 
horrible. And what do we think it would do for inflation? Drive it oh, through the yeah, roof. Yeah, we like yes. to brag yes. that we move everything in the industry, and we are correct for the most part we do. So we also have to realize if the goal of this deregulation is to drive rates and driver pay back up, which it will do, we also have to understand what that's going to do to our economy. Everything we buy will get even more expensive. And the other thing you're going to do is you're just going to open up huge opportunity for the railroad to move all kinds of freight that we're moving now. So it's going to significantly reduce the opportunity for your average driver as well. So you may drive wages up, and that's a way of... And it was the shipping manufacturing industry that was a big push to deregulation because they're the ones that saved the money. Correct. Or, or right. you know, made it more economical. I mean, yes, trucking was pushing for it too, but the money came from manufacturing and and that end of it, and they're certainly not on board for it going back. Uh, and they and they shouldn't be. It is a, it is an un-American, anti-competitive concept, and it was done for a reason. And I'm not sure I even agree with the original reason, but it already happened and it's over. But I absolutely know we should never go back to that. Well, yeah, it was, was it, it was, I know it was the 30s. I don't know the exact year, but that was during the Depression. A lot of things were different. Well, and, and we, we really regulated three big industries. Maybe there are some others that I'm not aware of, but the three that I am aware of, trucking, airlines, and utilities. And the idea was you had to limit competition because it was too expensive to try to, to put power lines all across the whole country if there were three or four companies competing at it. Nobody would have succeeded would have been the idea. The same with trucks. It was too difficult to put fleets together that could service everywhere in the country with too much competition nobody would survive was the thought i don't know if it was right or not i'm a big believer in competition but that was their logic and then then what happened was once those industries become stable then they deregulated them which was the plan all along and made them competitive just like they should be uh, you are correct um the the one thing that i would probably add to this is that when we deregulated um you know, we'll, we'll go back to what we had talked about earlier. Everything went to just how productive can we be? Forget about everything else. It was all productivity. So in our haste to deregulate, I don't really think we thought about the safety aspect as hard as we should have. No, we never do. How to keep that, yeah, how to keep that number one, which it, it has, that has to happen. That needs to change. Um, and, and, and then valuing driver's time, you know, when pay by the mile, became popular you know pay by the mile and safety are diametrically opposed yep. they just are and so it, along I, I with mean, fuel you economy are, you, yes you are just encouraging the driver to take unnecessary risk and chances uh, you know regardless of the weather situation regardless of anything really just so, get the load there so let, let's let's make an example of something that was designed to protect the driver and make things safer and it was a government regulation and ultimately became the single biggest thing that drivers fight back against. What are we talking about? 
overtime. Hours of service and overtime, right. Hours yep. of service. Yep. ELDs. Yeah. What? <laughs> that was designed to protect the driver. It, it, and it, it does. It lays the groundwork for the drivers, for the rules. The problem is is that pay was never tied to, to the ELD or the, the hours of service. And whenever you regulate somebody by the hour, you need to pay them by the hour or there has to be value attached to time. That's a good point. You cannot regulate by the hour and pay by the mile. There is a disconnect there, and there always has been a disconnect. So if you bring them into parity, I think you have a much stronger, safer system that everybody could agree upon. At that point, uh, you know, hours of service become a driver's friend. Yeah, right. Now, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room, though. Uh, hey, because when we. Let, let's add into something. In general, here, though, goes out productivity. <laughs> Go ahead, Henry. Uh, the, the one thing that I always found unique there's more crashes now, but the crash rate per mile traveled has dropped considerably since 1975. Now, there's more. Well, then. And that, that becomes a problem again, like we were talking about earlier, not understanding the statistics. Right. And, and uh, what the thing with the pay like that, like I said, I, I used to work for a car hauling company in, in Michigan, and uh, they, their biggest thing was they didn't want the union in there. So when we, I first started working for this place, I didn't pay. I had Blue Cross Blue Shield for my whole family. Didn't pay a dime, not one red cent. As as you know, the, you know the company started growing. Pe you know, more people started working, and they picked up. They got more volume. And then he's like, "All right, how are we going to pay? You know, how are we going to keep keep up with they? They want to keep up the union. They didn't want the union in. So they started contributing more money to our to our uh, our four hundred one k. And all those little things that they did kept the union out. But then we 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 got to a point where it was like. The guys were getting lazy. They, their pay was up, and they weren't working. So what they did, what was smart, is they took a they took the um, percentage by, we used to get paid by the mile, and then load and unload for the cars. So what they did was they said, if you once you make 2,000 miles in a car hauler, which isn't hard, running over the road, you, you, you got five cents more for all your miles. So what guys would do is they'd run to like 2,250 2, miles, and then they got paid for it. But it slowed everybody down. You didn't have to run to make more money, and, 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 and they watched. They, they, their accidents went down. The damages was the biggest thing because guys weren't running around trying to get as many loads, you know, in once they increased the pay. But they just kept. That's how they they fought it, and the union never got in there. So, so let's if, if you, if you pay let's people, talk about the, the right let's talk about the elephant in the room. If we want to make things safer, we need to slow down. If we want to pay drivers more, we should. But somebody's going to have to show me where that money's going to come from. I, I looked at the financials in 2022 for the major carriers. 2022 is one of the best years for trucking I've seen in a long time. And the, the average as a whole, when you look at publicly traded carriers, their profit margin is still single digit. It was 9.9% in one of the best years we have ever seen. It, when This is a fairly fairly easy thing to answer and you talk about it all the time when you slow the truck down more money becomes available <laughs> i know it just know. does yeah right, right. now me and my brother have talked about this multiple times and he's like damn if i could slow my trucks down i, I could pay my guys more right. but the competition's running 75 and that's what guys so, are focused on and and so you're stuck so, but you're 
that that is yep. where you pay for it. You have reduced accidents, reduced maintenance costs, improved fuel efficiency you, will more than offset the wages that we're talking about. Increasing. But here's how it has to happen. I think here, here was my method for doing this with my own drivers. What we see are these fuel bonus programs, which are a joke. I, I've almost never seen one of these that is even close to being successful at much of anything except creating a lot of paperwork. Um, the, there's way too many problems with them. They make the driver wait too long to get his reward. You got to wait till the end of the quarter. Much of what affects fuel economy isn't in the driver's control. What, what if my truck has a leaking charger cooler and they won't fix it? What if I've got now you're I, it, so we, we put all this responsibility on the driver and the only way he can get his reward is to improve fuel economy, but he doesn't have enough control over it. So what Correct. I did, we know the single biggest factor is speed. So how do you get drivers to slow down? So here's what I did. Let, let, I'm just going to use an example. Let's say we have a fleet right now that governs their trucks at 70. Here's what I did, and here's what I think is a better system. You go to your drivers and you say, look, here's our new fuel bonus program. You have zero risk now. We will let you choose where you want your truck governed. And based on, so 70 is maximum. You don't get to go faster than that. But you can go all the way down to 55 if you choose to. And for every one mile an hour, you will slow down the truck we will give you X as a raise. It's not a bonus. You get it immediately because Correct. you decided to slow yes. down. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yep. That's the way you have to reward behavior and not the fuel efficiency results because you're right. It's, it's out of the driver's hand, weather, load, terrain. Driver can't control those factors, but they can control their behavior. So you have to reward the behavior. The problem is, is that we continuously come back to some type of cents per mile. And that's the part yeah. that has to stop, in my opinion. So we've got to get rid of the cents per mile. What about this? And this is what I did. I didn't go to a straight hourly. I did keep the cents per mile. Now, I had dedicated runs. The driver knew exactly what they were making every week on their mileage pay. And then what I added to that, I didn't change the mileage pay at all. It stayed mileage. What I did was add an hourly component that any, uh, you give me the first hour for anything that holds you up that wasn't your fault. If you get stuck in traffic, you're gonna get paid for it. If you are at your meet and the, the other driver isn't there yet, you're gonna get paid for it. If the truck breaks down and you're on the side of the road, you're gonna get paid for it. And, and, and just give me the first hour, everything after that you get paid. So I'm doing something similar with my company. I'm testing some things out in, in terms of pay. And I'm doing kind of a hybrid system. We do 22 cents a mile, $22 an hour, and overtime at 40. There you go. And and hours and miles are all paid. Okay. It's not it's not if you're on or off duty. Interesting. While you're driving yeah. down the road, you're making 22 cents a mile and $22 an hour. And I'm not asking the drivers to give me anything. So now it's, it's just straight up. So what does because really you're probably looking at 20 hours of overtime every week. What do they get paid when they go over 40? Uh, sure. So you get regular overtime. You get paid regular overtime on the hour. Like now time your mileage and a half. stays the same at 22. Yes, okay. Correct. Oh, okay. Yes. Got it. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yep. Just like everybody else gets. Kevin. It, it, it yeah. Interesting. to be working very well. I, I like that. 
Kevin. Yes. Am I on? Yep, you are. I want to. I want to tell you what ABF is doing. Um, we are getting a new contract, and uh, they are giving us eight point seven five cents a mile raise by the first at first of July, and a three dollar and fifty cent an hour raise. Plus, they're turning the trucks up to seventy, and uh, they seem to be going in reverse of what everybody else is. And I just. I'm worried that they won't be able to, they had a 87 operating ratio last year, but we were getting paid like 67 cents a mile and Old Dominion was paying 75, but I talked to an Old Dominion driver and they're, they're hardly getting any miles. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and we're going to be at 75 cents the 1st of July if we pass this contract we got a bunch of goddamned idiots that say that's not enough money. I know. And we're getting an 8.75 cent raise the 1st of July. If I got, I had to take a day off tomorrow to drive to Denver to vote for this thing. I live in Cheyenne. Uh, but I'm, I was going to retire. I'm old, and I, um, I'm way past retirement age. But <laughs> I'm. I'm going to work another year, too, because i got a cushy run from Cheyenne to North Platte, Nebraska. Oh, nice. And go back. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I get the pay raise. I'm not sure I get the turning the trucks up. Uh, me either. When I come to work here in 2003, our trucks run 57 miles an hour. And Which is damn efficient. I had, been, I had been working for Nebraska Transport out of Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. And our trucks run 77, and that's the way we drove them all night long. Everybody does, to right. Get, to get to get overnight freight from Denver or Omaha to anywhere in Nebraska. And uh, and I was, by Saturday morning, I was so beat it took me two days to recover. And uh, when I went 57 from Cheyenne to Salt Lake City, even though that's the shittiest road in North America, <laughs> uh, I... It was more relaxing. I just sat over in the right lane. I hardly ever looked in the mirror. Exactly. Uh, I could have got rear-ended, I guess, but I was just sitting over there letting people blow by me. But now I'm going to have to set up and pay attention at 70 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I just wanted to put that in as to what they're doing. Everybody else seems to be going the other way, and they're giving us this hellacious raise. Yeah, it's, uh, now, let me ask you something. Were there any raises implemented, like, between 2020 and 2022? Uh, yeah, about one cent per year. Okay, so uh, kind of just the normal cost contract. of living thing. Yeah, when I first went to work here, we'd get a half a cent a year or three-quarters of a cent. It was in the 50s when I went to work Ooh, here. I, I'm and, pretty darn happy at FedEx. We used to get two cents every month, every year. Yeah, but uh, we always got raises. Well, in 2013, we gave them a 7.5% pay cut. Right. Uh, we took a pay cut in 2013. It took a whole contract to get that back. Yeah, but, interesting. Uh, and over the life of the contract, the five years mileage goes up 16 and a half cents a mile and and uh i forgot what the hourly pay goes up but it's it's a lot over the five-year period yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to work for them 
timing is um, timing isn't ideal for that. But if they didn't put in a lot of raises between 2020 and 2022, that's probably the reason they're doing it now. Everybody else, I think, they, has already done it. Oh, uh, that was it. I was talking to the regional vice president, and uh, he's a young guy, and he said, I know we're going to have to give you guys a pretty good raise, but I didn't expect eight eight point seven five cents yeah, to 75 cents a mile. Yeah, that's a big deal. But but uh, I talked to you yesterday, and I told you truck traffic on Interstate 80 is almost non-existent. Yeah. Well, it's that way again today. That's uh, – uh, and this is supposedly the busiest east-west interstate there is, and I've run it for the last twenty years in some part or the other. And so, I, truck traffic is just not out here. So here's another interesting thing: that every time I post about this topic, about rates or pay or whatever it is, I am still getting a lot of feedback from people saying, "I don't know what you're talking about. Volumes aren't down, and neither are rates." I, really? <laughs> I, we've we've got idiots in salt lake city that i know that are on facebook saying turn this contract down turn it down yeah and i'm thinking you you guys are idiots because if if we weren't getting this done right now and was getting it done six months from now we wouldn't get near this good a deal you know i posted that Um, that fedex is is getting rid of 29 airplanes that's a lot of airplanes to get rid of and their claim fedex was it's a, a demand issue there is not enough demand. We can't afford to keep these planes around because there's not enough demand. And I posted that, and people immediately said, that's bullshit. Demand hasn't changed. That's FedEx. They're, they're, they're so bad, and their customer service is so poor. And come on, really? I, that, that is not what changes stuff like this. Companies don't change overnight and become that bad. This is a no. demand issue, and anybody who, who wants to deny that is going to have a problem. How much do they yes. want for the planes? Maybe Joel will make you buy some planes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm surprised was, FedEx didn't blame the brokers. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Brokers. Yeah. I was, was going to tell Joel, we've got a lot of Macs, and I love these trucks. They are, uh, this one is a, it's a year old. It's a 20, well, I think the title says 2023. But it, top speed is 65, and it, uh, it runs at 11.75, but we've got some new ones, 20, 24s, I guess they are, and they, for some reason, the RPM and top gear at 65 is going to 1,500 RPMs, and uh, just fueling them, I can tell they're using more fuel than the ones. Hey, hey do you want to be a hero? Yeah. Go go in and are in about a year, maybe even a little less, they're going to start seeing massive emission issues. You'll look like a genius. Oh, okay. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. ABF. Yeah, I know. I ABF, know. They, we had some 2018 Kenworths with Packars in them, and they absolutely hung on a hook more than they pulled the trailers up and down the road. I'll, I'll bet. And, I know. And uh, I was on their used equipment site the other day and they still got a few of them they got rid of them they, they try not to keep them over three or four years but uh they were get they were asking forty two thousand dollars them damn things and i wouldn't give 42 cents for one of them <laughs> but they, we got some twin screws in 2018 and 2019 because they thought they was going to get in on that hauling amazon stuff 
and I don't think that ever materialized. But uh, we got some t- 2019 Macs. They don't run as good as these new Macs, but they're twin screws. And I was, I was actually. Uh, oh, boy. I'm going to price them down to where I would. There you are. We lost you there for a little bit. Hey, where are all the other speakers? Jump in here. No, I appreciate that. Good numbers. Thanks. And you're welcome to stay if you've got anything else you want to. there and ABF and large, large fleets, they are much slower to react to stuff. You hit the ball in the head, Kevin, when you asked, what were the raises for the last three years? Right. Yep. We, we were working for... Now the... No, it's turning the other way, but now they're finally giving their A's, and that uh, their numbers might look pretty bad a year from now. I'm worried about that. We can see the big picture. Picture, but it's kind of like those uh, instant. F- That's that is the problem. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, uh, I was thinking I might quit. I've I've been old enough to retire for ten years, but I think I'll work another year or two if I can if I can keep the truck in the road at seventy miles an hour. <laughs> there well, you go. You don't there have you to drive seventy just because the truck will do it. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> but I've got a big foot and I hardly ever use yeah. the cruise because in Wyoming they keep up on those big overhead signs. They say turn off your cruise control, but for about seven months out of the year, so I've gotten the habit of not even using the cruise. Yeah, and I I'm just, assuming you're you, pulling doubles. Oh yeah, most yep. most of the time, unless they put a 53 on these single axles and then expect us to get it across Nebraska. <laughs> but that, that that scale at North Platte, the guy I meet in North Platte, I, I have to take care of him or they'll send an overloaded trailer down there. On Well, we had some, some containers in the yard yesterday. They were long, like 48-foot containers, and they had one of them hooked to a single axle, and the goddamn thing had 38,000 pounds in it. <laughs> and they brought it, from, they brought it from Salt Lake like that. Wow. I used, I used to do that, too, when I worked out of Salt Lake. There wasn't no, I mean, there was Evanston, the port of entry at Evanston, but hell, you could get through that. But uh, so- so I'm a little disappointed in today's space. I, I was really hoping if I threw a couple controversial topics out there, somebody might jump in and disagree with me. And as soon as they did, I was going to challenge them to a cage match. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, hey, we should do that anyway. Exactly. Me, you, and Henry should have a three-way cage There we match. go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could wear a, I could wear a Volvo T-shirt. Henry could wear a Freightliner T-shirt. We have a cage match. I'm there. You that? go. I, I, I'm pretty no. partial to these Max, I, but I don't want to get in a cage fight. I'm a little bit too old. Well, all right. So, so you guys have Volvo and Freightliner covered. I'm going to hit up Elon and see if Tesla will sponsor me. There you go. There well, you go. Wanna, Let's do it. I, 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 cha- I, I would challenge him to a race across the country. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd hey, hey Kevin. To, I'd even limit myself to 57 mile an hour. Hey, hey, wait a minute, Henry. I've got an idea. I'll take you up on that because I'm going to put uh, forty or 50,000 pounds worth of battery in the trailer. No, who needs no, the no, pull freight? Real freight? No, who needs no, the pull freight? Well, <laughs> even, even with 
even with 50,000 pounds of battery, you're probably going to make it 1,100 miles, <laughs> and then you'll spend three days charging the thing, so there you go. Joe, Joe was what the hell is that noise? On a, on a single screw. Hold on. There, there, there we go with the productivity, right? Who was so noisy? Sheesh. <laughs> I heard something. I don't know what it was, but I heard, yeah, I heard a hissing. That was bad. All right, it's better now. Yeah, I think that was Mark. Okay. Might have been. You, you let did, me. did anyone see that? Did anyone see that Kodiak story about fully automated trucks uh, or fully automated trucks? And who knows something about Kodiak? I've never I heard of this brand until today. Kodiak. And I didn't see that story. I think it was on heavy-duty truck um, headlines or whatever that one is. I'll find it and try to oh, post it. But I, I did see a headline, and I was going to read it today, but then I got too wrapped up in all these financials and numbers. Um, the International Super Truck hit 16 miles to the gallon. Did anybody read the details on that? Yeah, I read mm -hmm. that. Well, this hey, morning. they just finally caught up to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, they done, a, they done a nice job on that. They, they really Joel, is that in reference like that, to Kodiak? No, it's not. That was just a, a super truck project uh, that Navistar. Yeah, done. I read that oh, okay. this morning as well. Yeah, and the other so thing, I, Kevin, where's all this? Where's all this um, push coming from to go back to regulated? Like, I don't see that in my feed anywhere. I don't know who's somebody, talking about that other than um, than us. Somebody made it. Let me go back to my notifications. See if I who I, some I, several people last week. Um, I've had a few too. Also with with the same thing, making the case to go back to complete regulation. And uh, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from. Drivers' wages are probably too low for what we're doing, but completely regulating the industry again is not the is not the answer for yeah. sure. Well, with us, uh, California effectively made it mandatory that you had to pay hourly so any per mile drivers we had that were based in california they eradicated that years ago so we i mean we we don't have a problem paying per mile or per hour but the drivers they started to the over the road drivers they like the per mile and i i suppose it's because they're it, it makes their paycheck bigger uh but it wouldn't hurt us to go to hourly, you know, if they wanted sure. to mandate something like that. We just switch all the drivers to hourly pay. But then what we have to do is we have to have heavy-handed dispatchers monitor their on-duty time yeah. versus Absolutely. their off-duty time. Yes. Yep. So. Yeah, it, it puts a lot of the Otis back on the back office at that point when you start to pay hourly. That's something that we're, we're noticing internally with just my little company here. Uh, my back office guy, he has to go through everything to make sure um, that the hourly gets paid correctly and that it, it, we're doing what we're supposed to do, which, is, which isn't a bad thing. Because so often what happens is when you pay by the mile, then dispatch sits back there and when stuff goes wrong, they're just blaming the driver for everything. You know what I mean? You you catch all the driver catches all the heat for everything, um, and, and this kind of helps to uh, eliminate that situation as well. Joel, and then you get over here where I drive. They pay me salary, but they push me like I'm paid by the mile. So, and uh, that that is the problem with salary. The driver either lays down or the company pushes them <laughs> much so, too hard. So here's and like, that that can also also you be know my boss hourly pay. Um, <laughs> that can also be the problem with our right. pay is that the drivers will tend to lay down. And that's kind of why I'm doing a hybrid thing at 
22 cents a mile and $22 an hour combined for all miles. It's enough of an of incentive to keep the driver going on the, the per mile so the productivity still holds. But also if he gets trapped in traffic or there's a snowstorm or, or whatever, if he has to slow down, he's not taking it completely on the chin either. So we tried to balance both aspects of hourly and per mile and combine them into one one pay system and so far it's worked really well so here's an example i think you're lucky to live in a state like that that will allow that i'm i'm fairly sure that california employment would not allow that that either even the hybrid i'm just guessing but but i don't i think they would come down on us for that probably here's an example of that human behavior factor who's noisy again sorry it's me i guess i got a bad uh, connection so i'll yeah, it's, it's really loud. Like I started to scream to try to get over it. Um, here's an example. One of the issues we used to face at FedEx was if you wanted to add a truck, if you were a contractor and you wanted to add a truck, the odds are you would add it when there wasn't any work for it. It, it, that's, it was just very common. Every time I added a truck, it went on the extra board. And then when things got slow, that truck might not work. I remember buying a brand new truck adding it on and, you know, kept one of my other trucks. So I was adding a truck that my third truck at the time did not work at all in June. And then there was one other month that did not work a single day. That, that's really tough. And, I, you know, I could afford keeping the truck there. But what do you do for a driver like that? So I would always Correct. just be the one that would run my extra truck until it got a dedicated run. But some of the contractors are getting too many trucks. They couldn't do that. So they decided to try a guaranteed daily rate. It almost like a salary. You'll get paid this much whether you work today or not. Here is the behavior I saw immediately. Prior to that, that driver was at the window every morning screaming that he needed to get a run today. He was up on rotation, all that. The minute he got paid, you couldn't sit, find the guy in the morning. Like, no, that's right. Where is yeah. he? he? He was hiding, hoping he didn't get a run that day because he still got paid. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You, 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 you have to balance that. And, you know, when I talk to my brother about this all the time, he's like, I love the idea of our legals, but you know damn well what's going to happen. Everybody's going to lay down. They on do, you. too. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's, I yeah. get it. They absolutely do. And, I, and, and, and so it needs to be balanced in a, in a way that, you know, keeps guys motivated, but still takes time. It has to be part of it somehow. I'm not totally opposed to mileage pay, although if that is the predominant factor in your pay scale, you're you're not going to have you know safety and, right. and economy is 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 high on your list, so it becomes problematic. But that splitting it so far has worked very well for I, us. I like um, that. Model. It allows allows. Yeah, yeah, it allows the driver to to uh, you know say, hey, look, I got to slow down. I'm in traffic. I don't need to be tailgating this guy. Um, I need to be in the lane I'm supposed to be in, not trying to pass everybody in a lane I'm not supposed to be in, to, in order to preserve my paycheck. Or if it rains, I can slow down and and uh, you know don't have to worry about the jibber jabber on the CB telling me I don't know how to drive. <laughs> uh, well, so how how does those mm-hmm. how how's the package delivery people, they're paid by the hour, but they always seem to be hustling. How did they manage to keep the hustle in their step? 
Um, so there's the carrot and the stick always. So um, they're basically controlled with the stick. Uh, they're paid by the hour, but they are controlled by the stick. I mean, the, UPS is probably the worst at this. They micromanage those guys. They count how many left turns they make in a day. I mean, it, it is so, and it, from what I understand, UPS and FedEx I'm very familiar with. From what I understand, Amazon's even worse. Like, these drivers have cameras so, on them all day long, and they are constantly being told, you could have saved 27 seconds if you would have done this. One of the things that I've noticed when I talk to, um, you know, guys that own operations in Europe or in Scandinavia is a lot of times they'll refer to American management as just being plain lazy in the transportation industry. And, and these are the things that we're talking about. Um, we do see examples of management, just like you explained, Kevin, they're actually watching every move that they make and they're trying to, to make them more efficient. If, if you move this way instead of that way, yeah. you'll get three more seconds in for a day, maybe a little bit overdoing it. But in general, trucking operations, when we pay guys by the mile, we can blame it all on the driver. Everything's the driver's fault. Let's just kick them out there. We get pretty lazy in the office as far as the actual management of what's going on. Yeah, good point. Um, of course, this frees them up. This frees them up to find more freight, and that's what they kind of get caught in this trap of let's just find all the freight we can possibly move and move as much as we can and let it let it all sort itself out. That's essentially hey, hey, what, I, what what we do today. Kevin, it's Terrence. I got a great thing in this. When I and a company I worked for in Wisconsin, I drove there, a company driver, and then they asked me to come into the dispatch. So long story short, they got this new, which we had a board, big television, and all the truck numbers on it. You could see it. But we were able to go into this program, and you could put like a geo fence around uh, any 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 of our stops we went to. So you knew I was a driver. I knew who was sandbagging, sitting over there. We got paid by the load, but you could know who guys were laying up and sit, you know trying to set themselves up not to have to work that hard. So I went in there every every chance I got, and I put a geo fence around all our stops, and I would sit there and watch. Okay, I know where he is because I was there. He's sitting in the far back left corner, away from everybody claiming he's at the place, not getting in line to get unloaded, <laughs> and then he just pick up the phone. So what are you doing? Oh, I'm waiting in line. I said, no, you're not. I said, you're in the back left corner behind the building sitting over there, get in line, and I hang the phone up. <laughs> Finally, they, the driver started getting pissed. And I said, listen, man, when I was out there you, driving, you were, you were effing me because when you couldn't get all the shit done, I had to do your more real job. Granted, I made more money. But now you're in here, now you're screwing the company, because I, I had to reverse my thinking, obviously. I mean, I, I shouldn't say reverse. I thought the same way. I just, I had, you know, I, now I have to defend my thinking to the driver, saying this is what you, you need to do this. But they, it, it, that stuff's manageable with, with hourly-wise, like stuff like that, if guys are sandbagging. But again, like, like Joel said, that's, you, gotta, you have to have someone that's dedicated just to that. I mean, that's the salary and all that. But the, I'm all, the, the hourly rate is definitely the way to go. Like Joe was saying, and for safety wise and everything, because that all you know, the biggest it's all I, I think it's all based back to to like ego and all that. You know, my truck, I I, I went from Dallas to New York City in 27 hours and didn't stop. <laughs> okay, great man. Did I, I did I do that? Yeah, I did that. Am I proud of it? No, but you know, it's this was based on you know, like I did. They weren't looking at the, the efficiencies of it now, you know, and and, and most most company drivers don't. 
But the ones that do are the ones that are making more money or, or like I said, in my we're getting asked to come into the office. And I believe it or not, which is weird, I made more money going into the office than coming when I came off the road just by what my work ethic, what I did for the company. I, I, I saved the money. I looked for ways to think, told, you know, made suggestions, and half the stuff I said worked. So I'm going to shit my boss. I said, you're crazy. That isn't going to work. And, and he'd lay it out in front of me and go, oh, okay, all right. I see what you mean. You know, he, he was able to teach me. He taught me a lot. So I'll let someone else get in now. All right. Well, so it, some, of the, some of the attitude that you're talking about, we like to call the, the Smokey and the Bandit attitude or the, the Convoy, the song attitude. You know, that's it, you know guys watch this stuff and they listen to that, that, that type of music and whatnot, and, and then there you go. You, you've got that attitude that they, they wear this outlaw stuff like a badge of honor, and, and we've done that in the industry for years and years and years. I'm a super trucker because, just like you said, I drove from L.A. to wherever in X amount of time, and I broke every speed limit, and look how good I am. You know, that, that well, was just, just that's the attitude that's been perpetuated for decades in the industry, and it's a hard it's a hard thing to break. Well, a lot of people think that that movie Convoy was a documentary, not a entertainment film. <laughs> you mean it wasn't? <laughs> no, I don't. I, well, might have, National Geographic might have done it. I don't know. All right, now I don't know what to think about White Line Fever. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> I, I, think, I think wasn't it Discovery Channel did that? No, that's before Discovery Channel. Oh no! Why, yeah, I was with Jan Michael Vincent that movie, White Line Fever. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know yeah, that was. <laughs> Black Dog and all those. So, yeah, yeah oh, that yeah. one was the worst. So, so <laughs> we, we used to have <laughs> in a private car where we were paid by the hour. We had a driver that had a nail board, and he always got more flats than everybody else. But one time, he left the nail board in the truck, and the shop found it. <laughs> <laughs> he used to give himself flats. No, come on, and, and sit out there. Oh yeah, oh, yep. you gotta love it. And and they gotta found love it. it. <laughs> yeah, balancing the pay is is absolutely critical. I think. Uh, you know, you, you have to keep drivers motivated to a certain degree, but by the same token, you know, we, we need to account for their time as well. And and that's just something that I think we need to keep harping on over and over and over. There has to be a time component to driver's pay. If you want to put a mileage piece in there, that's fine. But I think the primary part of a driver's pay has to be time-based because or, or if they want, they could they could regulate us by the mile too, saying, "All right, you're allowed to drive 550 miles in a day," yeah. instead of regulating us by time. Either way, they they have to align. Yeah. though. pay yeah. has to align. However, you're regulated, your pay has to align. With now, that. let me well, let me wrap up my feelings uh, on this topic. I, I threw this topic out because on Twitter itself, it seemed to be like a topic there was a lot of disagreement on and lots of different opinions. So if, I thought if I threw this out, this should get interesting. And it has been a total snooze fest so far. We all basically agree with each other. And I will say this is not a topic that I spend a lot of time on because it, it, I don't have really good answers. I have some things that might help. But when we look at these same issues in the owner-operator world, everything changes. I have all kinds of solutions. So I, I threw this topic out thinking that it would actually be interesting and we'd get some people to debate it, but it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of debate here. Yeah, well, I mean, 
driver pay affects me, well, not zero, because if company driver pay goes up, that affects rates, so that affects me, but, you know, I'm like Henry, I'm on salary, and my boss is cheap. <laughs> no. You got the same kind of boss as me? Yeah. <laughs> But, but the profit sharing is pretty good at the there end. There you here. go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But no, I, you're you're right that uh, you know when you start talking about company driver pay, then the owner operator crowd just kind of shuts up. Well, it doesn't affect me. It absolutely does. Absolutely, one hundred percent does because rates are gonna are gonna go up and they're they're gonna stabilize and normalize at a higher level and that's a great thing for the owner operator Uh, you know nobody's talking about an owner operator getting paid by the hour you know that that still is all going to be a a per mile negotiation or ton or however you negotiate with your customer you should be free to do that what we're talking about is employee drivers and you know it's going to have an effect on the owner operators if if you have to take time into consideration in that pay scheme, then rates are going to go up. Same thing, you know, that's, that's a way to help bring rates up. Uh, how do I want to say this rates efficiently and, and work within the economy without crippling things, uh, slowing the speed of the trucks down as much as we don't like to hear that, um, as an industry. And as much as I wish that we would voluntarily be able to say, Oh, look, we've got overcapacity. We should slow down. It, it never happens. Never. You know, people just they, they just don't do it. I wish they would because Didn't. it would be a great way. Like right right now, if everybody slowed down to 55 tomorrow, rates would jump Did. probably 20 cents a mile. I, I mean, you're going to see a major rate increase. Absolutely. But, you know, we're not we're not smart enough to do that for whatever reason. Didn't. I don't and, know if it's smart. I think it's more greed and combined with figuring out a way to get a lap ahead instead of trying to run at the tail end of the lead lap. Didn't, um, wasn't there a time when OIDA was pushing for everybody to slow down for some, what was, was that more about hours no, of service? No, it was run compliant. No, no, no. It was yeah, demonstrate your power, run compliant. Yeah. And I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, but what happened? The, mem- the membership didn't go along with that idea. Imagine <laughs> that. Sheesh. <laughs> They finally have a good idea and nobody was, wants to go along with it. Oh, <laughs> one, of the, it one of the few, right? <laughs> it was a brilliant campaign. I thought so, too. As a matter of fact, the, the brochures on it. As a matter of fact, I sacrificed fuel module on my flatbed and made a sign that stood up on the back of the trailer <laughs> with their banner of it on. So one of the things that I've noticed with, with OIDA and, and – I don't pay much attention to what they do because I'm generally on most issues just opposed to what they stand for. But don't they support the faster speeds? And they're always putting out these little reports saying, oh, you can't prove speed hurts anything and yada, yada, yada. More more flexibility. You know, I. No speed. No speed. They they really try to. No hours. Yeah, they've been kind of smart about it. They normally focus on the speed split speeds and whether or not that's really safe or not. My point has always been, if you are for faster trucks, you are just not for safety. You're just not. It's it's the single biggest factor. So whether cars are going 80, I don't think really matters. I don't think that split speed limit is big of an issue as people say it is. 
No, here's something to consider when they talk about a split speed limit. Okay, take a truck loaded to 80,000 pounds, take an empty truck, take a passenger car, take a motorcycle, take a sports car, put them all on the same stretch of road and say get from point A to point B. Even if you have the same speed limit, there's going to be a speed differential. Huge. They don't accelerate Correct. the same. They so the, just because it's on a sign, who cares? I, you can never eliminate speed differentials. Ever. I agree. A sign does not it, eliminate a speed differential. And, so and I, I don't even I don't understand where they're coming. I from. agree. If differentials were a big problem, you'd think you'd hear about all sorts of problems with oversized loads and Oop. and. Uh, Mobile homes, when they're hauling them, getting or, hit, and they don't. Or, or why don't we see horrendous crashes going up every big pole every, in the country? Every hill. You know, is, is California's crash rate way higher than everybody else's? I no, it's actually, it is. it's actually one of the lowest in the country. Imagine that. That's what I, that's, that, that's what I thought. And same thing with, you know, Michigan. They've got split speed limits on stuff. I really don't care if somebody passes me. I, I, it doesn't bother me in the least. You know, you do what you got to do. Go burn up the fuel you need to burn up. But uh, the idea that a sign can eliminate <laughs> speed differentials to me somebody's smoking crack. i know I, I don't get where they even came up with that idea it well, sounds you know, good the, i guess the other funny thing is that they they fight you know like everyone's oh i just about the speed limiters that, if they would th you know i get it you don't want your truck to you know you want to be able to run the speed you want but if they did put a speed limit in there that would also drive the rates up too <laughs> absolutely. absolutely and it's like you, you hear them you hear their arguments and I, and I I listen to the, to the you know the old channel every now and then and I have to shut it off because I'm the stupidity that's on it and again I'm a oh. company job I own my own truck it's just it's just I'm listening I'm going but if you slow it down and and again who's and everyone says, "Well, who's pushing for this? Is it the government?" No, it's 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 the the, the mega carriers pushing for speed uh. limits so they can slow everybody down and put the rates up. I mean, it, it, and, and I don't see how people don't see that. I really don't. When you so, listen to their argument. So one of the things that I learned very early on in trucking, when I first got my license, I I wanted to do some work for Kem Lehman. I had to go through some training, and we had this really old guy that was conducting the class and. You know, he stood up in front of everybody, introduced himself, and he's, he said, I'm going to tell you all right now, truck drivers are the stupidest people in America. And we're all looking at each other <laughs> thinking, where the hell is this guy? He goes, you are the only people that will insist on working harder for less money. And it, it, it mm -hmm. sunk in right, right then. And he is so right about yes. that. He is absolutely, and, and he said the same thing, you know, he goes, you'll insist that you need to drive 70 mile an hour and, you know, you take on all this extra stress and liability due to accidents and increased maintenance costs, and you're going to run all these miles and you're going to wear that like a badge of honor, but not even look at what's in your bank account. Well, you add that to it, the try to uh, put on duty time is off duty time as much as possible to preserve that driving time so you can drive more miles faster, quicker, yeah. farther. Right, right. So you can drive your paycheck down. It just it doesn't. We've got all the tools right in front of us without having to do a trucker strike. Just simply slow the trucks down. Rates go up. Everything gets better for everybody across the board. What about well, Joel, the customer? That. <laughs> Even for the customer, it gets better. 
Because look, what's the what's the prevalent saying in trucking that everybody likes to say? Hurry up and wait. <laughs> I guess I gotta hurry up and wait. Every truck driver bitches about that. Oh, Walk yeah. into any truck stop. Oh. Hurry up and wait. Well, guess what? If you're driving 55, you're not gonna hurry up and wait. You're gonna get there on time. And you're going to do it efficiently, and you're going to do it safely. There's going to be no accidents. You're not going to blow out tires. You're not going to, Joel, you know, have emission system Joel, problems. You, you're just going to be efficient across. But the you're board. going to cut into their time at the liars counter. Wait, but you're not going to be hurrying <laughs> up anyway. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I don't know. It's uh, you know, and I am not for government controls of speed. I know I'm going to get all kinds of flack. Oh, you support speed limiters. I don't. I just wish that we made better decisions as, as, a, as a whole in the industry because it would dramatically shorten these, like these downturns that we have, and a lot of these marginal operations wouldn't be marginal anymore. They would actually make money, and 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 you know, uh, it, it, they would be good, solid operations. But you know, unfortunately, it, it, it is what it is. But it's the safety part of it that. You know the government, where the government really needs to step in. When we see all these mega pileups every winter, we're starting to see them more and more. Um, even though the crash rate per mile is down, we see these mega pileups, and it is all directly related to speed. We're too Joel. fast for conditions. When you watch these videos of these damn trucks just coming balls to the wall, and there's a big pileup in front of them, and at the last second they're like, "Oh shit, I better quit texting." Boom. Joel, hey. Hey Joel, in front of me. I, I, that's no. not the reason. I, it's because everybody turned their CB I, off. Henry, you just stole my thunder. Damn it! <laughs> I, I've been told that so many times. It's because nobody uh, listens to the CB anymore. I turned my CB off in 1989. I done the same thing, and I'll be honest with you: the few times that I do turn it on, you get more encouragement to drive <laughs> faster and take risks than there are people reporting slowdowns and accidents. That's just a yeah. fact. Just like Henry was explaining. Don't you know how to drive in the rain? I can't tell you how many times this winter running out west, I, oh, are you afraid to drive on snow and ice? Don't you know how to drive in the wind? Okay, what's what's the magic potion here that you got that just deletes physics across the board and allows me to drive uh, yep. 80 mile an hour safely on ice? I, I don't get I, it. I have mine on yet, but I have the squelch turned up so far that you about have to be on my doorstep to communicate with me. <laughs> Uh, there you go. Well, well, Abe, Kevin, what about these? Uh, we were talking on Twitter earlier about the inexperienced drivers. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it's the inexperienced drivers, not the speed. Because it sounds to me like out there in the industry, there's there's gobs of under-trained drivers that are getting underpaid and they're crashing trucks all the time. So, well, but think I about this. I don't no, know if that's true. Not really. It's not well, really think, true. Think, think about it, even if it was true. So let's say that's true, that we've got a bunch of inexperienced drivers that we brought every foreigner in the world, because foreigners don't know how to drive vehicles, right? So we, we, we brought in all these foreigners that don't know how to drive because they came from a different country, and we're putting them on the road. Wouldn't it make sense if that were true and that was the case, that we slowed them down? <laughs> <laughs> Here's my... <laughs> 
<laughs> wouldn't that Here's, make sense? How many, how many construction zones have you drove through that said speed up to 85 because it's safer to drive through this construction zone? Here's another. We always uh, slow people down. Here's another you mean, irony of this. So the, the same people who were trying to say, but you're only showing the top driver pay. What about the new drivers? Well, I'm pretty sure there's new drivers in that number, but even if there isn't. These are the same people that are screaming, I've got 30 years experience. Why do you pay that, that new driver the same thing as you pay no, me? You're, you're, you're exactly right. There is no career path in trucking. And, and oh, again, oh. I, I'll point at my brother's fleet. We deal with this. They bring in guys off the street that are making just virtually the same amount of money as the guy that's been there for, for 15 right. years. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's trucking right now because there is no real career path. And, um, and so, you know, it's not like you're bringing in guys and they're starting at 14 cents a mile. That ain't happening. Joel, bring and, it up. Bring it up. Career path. Come on. Come on. In, uh, <laughs> in 18 years of going from Cheyenne to Salt Lake City three or four times a week, I can tell you I've had numerous occasions that I couldn't see the goddamn bulldog on the end of the hood. And there is no skill in the world that, except slowing exactly. down uh, that will help you there. And so I've had a lot of things that happened that just it was it was a somebody up above looking out for me, and that's all it was. Uh, Joel, and, and I tell you, I was at this one place doing driver training on the collision mitigation systems, and the one response I got from a bunch of the drivers was this is going to be awesome having the collision mitigation because we hit a lot of fog and we're not going to have to slow down. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no. So, and in fact, bring it back a bunch more notches if that's where your attitude is to begin so with. So are we going to have to start rating trucks VFR only? Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so beats that is just nuts. Now, driver, uh, Kevin, you know the top drivers are in WFO trucks. Think about it. They go wide w fucking open. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ten, ten so, minute warning. So, Kevin and, or Joel, you nailed it when you was talking about the speed against safety and productivity, that kind of stuff. We got a new terminal manager three or four years ago, and because I'm, my background is sales before trucking, what do you do when you want to get a customer, keep a customer, grow with a customer? You build a relationship, and you build a rapport. That's what you do. You find out what they like, and then you kind of cater to that a little bit. If you find out she likes an egg McMuffin, well, every now and then you bring her one. Hey. It wins you points. <laughs> hey, hey, Herschel. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Herschel, let me help you out here. Um, you're you're barking up the wrong tree. In trucking, we don't have customers. Yes, we do. <laughs> your carrier is your customer. So what I told her, Kevin, and she had never been a terminal manager. She was in corporate, but not a terminal manager. She had some other kind of job. I said, Kelly, I will not be the hardest-running guy that you have. I'll tell you that right up front. But I'm not lazy, but I'm not going to be your hardest guy. I'm not going to be the 2,800-mile-a-week guy. But what I do, I'll do it on time, I'll do it right, and I won't wreck doing it. And that's just the way I operate. I drive 55 miles an hour. I'm in no hurry. 
I'm trying to get fuel mileage because they're not going to give you any more rate when you're on a mileage-based contract. It is what it is. You can get a little out of them once in a while. So all you can do is the expense side. and that That's all you have. So that's the way I do it. And, of course, the other contractors that are here, they blow by me like I'm on jack stand. <laughs> oh, man, you drive so slow. You drive so slow. I said, okay. So one one safety meeting, Chuck passed out the uh, IFTA reports for everybody. I said, and the one guy that was busting my chops, I said, what's your IFTA say? Uh, 6-2. Okay. I said, look, mine was 8.1. <laughs> Which one? Which one of us made more money? They don't get it though. And oh, wait a second. Of, wait, wait a at second. At the end of the year, at the end of the year, yeah. But at the end of the year, they always talk about who did the most. Well, Steady Eddie over here doing fifty-five miles an hour is in the top five every year. Yep, just, absolutely. That's right. Just doing yep. it. Yep, that's it. So a couple things that I've always talked about when you run slower, you drive maintenance costs down and therefore you have more potential opportunity to be on the road because you're not in the shop. And, you know, we, we talked about an example of this, you know, with, with my brother's fleet, we've, we've done some things with down speeding, torque, horsepower management and whatnot. And we've, we've opened a few trucks up and, you know, we, we've seen that wear happen in the, in the driveline with carrier bearings and input seal shafts in the rear axle. And, you know, when the truck has to come down, yes, tires, brakes, all that stuff, instead of at 800,000 miles, now it's all being done at 500,000 miles. So you, you are reducing your potential uptime on the road. And really just that, that maintenance difference will offset a huge majority of what we're talking about in terms of overall productivity, not to mention the fact that, Unless you're on a dedicated run, the majority of places that you're rushing to get to, they're not going to take you early. Right. You know what I mean? They, they just don't. You're scheduled in. And so you may as well actually calculate how fast you need to drive and run as slow as possible to complete the job in a timely on time. Here's another factor people don't think of. And I'm going to use kind of an extreme here, but I think it makes the point really well. The average truck on the road is still getting under seven miles to the gallon. They're in the sixes. Um, Joel, we're going we're gonna to put you up at 12 because I know you've achieved it. Let's think about this. You will fuel half the number of times that other truck does. I'm fueling yeah. half the number of times, and I've only got one fuel tank to fill. I don't even have to walk around the truck. I know. Likewise. <laughs> that's, that's me. I only have one tank, too, now. But, yeah. but think about all it's the time. enough shower credit. Think about all the time in a year fueling. <laughs> oh, no, there, there are tons of examples like this, and this all adds up. It's all cumulative. It, it's not like, you know, it just reaches a certain point and stops adding up. This all adds up, and it doesn't seem like it's that – much time while you're doing it because you're just used to doing it you know but it it does it all adds up and it it all impacts your potential time that you're on the road not to mention if you're running 75 mile an hour all day long you're gonna get tired quicker you're gonna your stress level's gonna be higher you're gonna want to pull over and go to sleep you know having the opportunity to run a lot of this power only stuff for schneider that i'm running and you know kind of picking and choosing loads going to different places I, for the most part, on occasion, I'll get out there and run it faster to do some testing, but I try to keep the speed down to 57 mile an hour when I can. And 
the overwhelming majority of these loads, I am able to run 57 and be ahead of schedule. In fact, I catch a lot of heat for I park to sleep and I'll say, oh, my air conditioner ran 13 and a half hours. Well, time is money. What are you waiting on so far? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I was ahead of schedule. I couldn't deliver early anyway, so I slept yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So uh, there's more to it than just speed. Speed is almost never the correct answer on occasion it is but you know unless you have a dedicated run where everything's figured out to the last second and you absolutely have to run 72 mile an hour to make something work uh, the majority of operations they're they're just not structured that way and you don't need that speed. let me give you the biggest i, I don't know anybody like that uh, let me give you the <laughs> no, biggest no, exception not. to this rule because somebody always brings it up to me and then i will agree with them but it's not the over-the-road market we're talking about. It's the daily out and back, the, the aggregate guys. And here's the problem. You've got 10 hours that the quarry's open or, or whatever it is. It opens sure. at a certain time. It closes at a certain time. If you can get one more run in today, your revenue goes up by 30%. So to, to yep. speed to get back just in time to grab that one last load for the day is huge when it comes to your revenue. I get that. The end of the day, the end of the day, speed is a tool. It, the right. tool needs to be used correctly, and it is going to be different on almost a daily basis for every operation. You need to sit down and figure it out. To say, I'm going to run 70 mile an hour because this or that might happen – um, if the economy's good and fuel prices are down, that, that may be an okay strategy. But when you're in the environment that we're in now, that's a good path to bankruptcy. Yeah. Well, it, it so, goes farther than that. Sometimes that decision changes on an hourly basis. You're you're 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right. I always start out the day thinking, okay, my target's going to be to run 57 today because I know I'm going to knock it out of the park fuel efficiency-wise. Then I check my messages and see if anything's changed. If something's changed and I go, oh, shit, now i got to run 63 mile an hour to make this happen, <laughs> I'll do it, and I've got no problem doing it. But you so, always want – your your thought process should always be run as slow as possible to get well, the job done. I'm on dedicated runs, as you know, with all that. And what I find myself doing is at the beginning of the week, I run up a little bit harder building up cushion because literally when I get back, I have an hour and a half left this week. You know, it's 3,840-mile week again. But I, I'll tell you, Henry, I, I, I I'm just too damn lazy now, to do what you're doing. Well, I, I'm, uh, I didn't want to do it next week, but I ended up I'm doing it again next week. But And it's too tempting on the money. But but now I got myself far enough ahead in the week that I'm running 65 and a 75 because I don't need it now. Right. You, you constantly have to evaluate the need at the time, and everybody will have a slightly different strategy. But to pretend that there's a magic speed that you can no. run that applies to all situations across the board is just ridiculous. It's just no, absolutely it, ridiculous. It does not work. And once I get past San Antonio, if I look at the clock where I know I'm not going to hit any traffic, you're liable to see me backed off to 60-62. Hey, there you go. Not, now you're getting done around my speed. You guys got to wait. I was to just going to say all the, all the people that <laughs> people say I work way too hard. Henry, you work harder than I do. I only run oh, 3,200 yeah, miles no doubt. on a week. <laughs> 
But I don't know how I do it, but I always find these runs that max out about every day. You know, almost every day when I park, I'm on my last five minutes. <laughs> All right. To me, to me, a victory is when I roll in, low fuel light on, out of hours, I've used it all. There you go. Two-minute warning. Um, we're we're going to wrap this up today. Before we do, you know, I, I think I talked the other day about I would be a whole lot healthier if I just retired and found something else to do. But um, I, I think I may have just found my retirement plan. So I've got properties listed on Airbnb, and I'm sure that's why I got mm -hmm. this. I just got this email from a company. It's called Airbnb Weed. <laughs> there you go. So they're specialized. They specialize in renting properties where cannabis is legal. There you go. <laughs> All righty. Nothing, nothing hey, wrong with that. You got to love the internet. It's oh, sort of a vegetable. Isn't it? Exactly. It's an herb. Yeah, it's an herb. <laughs> Oregano. Yeah, that's right. Cannabis, wild parsley. Wild parsley. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, hey, Joel. Joel, there's a question in the chat, and it it is, um, hey Joel, what is a good temp for running the DPF system while running down the road? Do you, do you watch the temperature on your DPF system? Or well, you just let the we, truck do its thing. We have multiple um, sensors throughout the entire emission system. The hotter, the better. I I will tell you that. Um, and so this all relates to when I talk about piston speed. As we have lower RPM and therefore lower piston speed, our thermal efficiency comes up, we're producing more heat in the combustion chamber, and that heat proliferates downstream into the emission system. The hotter the emission system is, the longer it lasts and the better job it does. So just in general, the, the hotter the better. I will tell you, if I'm under the exact same load, um, let's say I'm, I, I'm running across 80 and I have 65,000 pounds on, if I put it in overdrive at 57 i'm running 850 rpm i will see roughly a 200 degree upswing in temperature at the dpf versus running in direct drive at around a thousand wow so so, so the yeah. heat is generated from a lower rpm yes, whereas lower one might RPM, intuitively yes. think one might intuitively well, think oh the, the higher the rpm the hotter this thing is Think about this as a truck driver. When we go into a hill and we're climbing a hill and the engine's lugging down, what happens to our temperatures on everything? It goes up. We downshift to cool things off. Same exact principle applies going down the road. In the past, we just couldn't handle that type of temperature. Today, we want that type of temperature because it makes everything better because we have EGR running through the engine that, that can help control that, that heat proliferation when we need it to. So it, it, in actual terms, it probably the EGR is making the engine more efficient if we use it properly. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, oh, that's wow. absolutely true. I'll never forget when I was around the engineers and I said, how long can you can do away with EGR? He said, we can do away if with you don't that want now, to. but we don't want to. <laughs> exactly. And, and people will just have a fit when you say that, but that's God's honest it, truth. It's so If you true. understand what's happening and that fine control of combustion temperature um, and low piston an, speeds with, with EGR, it's it's actually a, a plus and a benefit. It's, it's hey, and an then what do you know on, it, all it is. Uh, on a little bit different subject, the 
did international come out with something good where they took an engine and it's, and they reduced the amount of EGR and then they doubled the SCR? Is that well, is that a real <laughs> engine out there? <laughs> that engine's there. out there. It's coming. Um, I, I will tell you, with our Volvos, our downsped Volvos, we have very few emission problems. But when we do, it's with the damn uh, def doser, and they doubled up on that. So okay. I, I, we have very, very few problems with EGR and downsped engines, virtually none. Um, any issues that we do have are going to be with the dosers, and now they're going to have two, and they're going to use significantly more DEF as well. Um, I, under, I understand the concept behind it. They're, they are running higher combustion temperatures like we talked about, and they're just going to try to control the knocks on the backside through more DEF, where with EGR, that we're trying to you know really fine-tune the combustion temperatures and really help to control some of the knocks via um, exhaust gas recirculation. And then what we can't control on the backside, we're using DEF on the backside to clean the knocks up. International is just going full-blown. You know, they're going to control it all on the backside or the biggest majority of it. It remains to see how it's going to work. And, and do, we, do we have any... F system, Joel, uh, you know, the, the reality is of what I've seen is usually it's just a matter of cleaning it. It's I haven't seen a big problem with DEF on that it, side of it. it. It's it's not really. I think what's happening with this international um, this international engine is they have the same gear ratio and the 14-speed transmission that Volvo's going to have. Although they are saying that oh we're gonna we're gonna optimize to run in direct. And this is something that I think is a bad idea. I think I understand why they're optimizing to run in direct at slightly higher RPM because that does somewhat cool off the combustion process and reduces NOx. So now their double system doesn't have to work as hard on the backside. I don't know that they gain any efficiencies at all by doing this. Uh, it all remains to be seen. I can tell you in Europe, when they run like the Volvo and the the um, Mercedes and the this Super 500 head to head, there ain't a nickel's worth of difference between them fuel economy wise. They are one right on top of the other. So this is a different approach. It's a different way of doing it. International has been famous for trying to go different paths. In the past, it's really kicked them in the ass. I would suspect that this is probably going to work better. Um, I was a little more enthusiastic about it at first. But when when I start hearing that we're optimizing to run in direct, I don't know how excited I am about that. Um, 216 direct is not exactly downsped powertrain. And... Uh, you know, when you do have that low, low piston speed and higher combustion temperature without EGR, you're making a hell of a bunch of knocks that you're going to have to neutralize. So we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. I'm just uh, not that's, sure. That's pretty extreme downspin compared to 373s. Well, it is uh. compared to something traditional. But, you know, like even what you're doing in overdrive, Henry, you're still your final overall is 203. I'm down around 168 on my final overall so a lot of these overdrive setups have have a better final overall ratio than 216 in direct it's it's going to be interesting i have a lot of respect for the the engineering staff over at scania i i 
I like to believe they're not going to put out something that's just going to be a, a total bomb, and, and I doubt that it will. But it, you know, it's a different way of doing things, and it's new, so we're just we're just going to have to wait and see. But do we know right. anyone in, in in our circles that are going to test it, Kevin? Do you know my, anyone that's going to test this international? My brother has one coming as a demo truck, and I am supposed to be going down to the factory with him soon um they said they're gonna let me in which shocked me i figured they'd say no he can't come but they're gonna let yeah. me in and they said they don't they don't care what questions i ask and Good. uh cool. so cool. I, hey. i'm gonna get in and i'm gonna go at them hardcore so we'll see what happens hey you guys are like herding cats i gave you a 15 minute warning a 10 minute <laughs> warning a two minute warning and now i'm down to uh seven minutes before i have to get on another call so i've got to wrap this up <laughs> all right he sounds good uh, All right. Great talk. Great, great talking, guys. Later. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Have a great weekend, everybody.